You're listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. Uh, yeah, I got punched in the face. Um, Jonathan can't fight, or Jonathan got into a fight, or I can't believe that. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. Why would that have happened? Uh, in 2008, when I was a young 30-something, when I was a young 30-something, someone reached back and punched me in the face, and I was at the hospital the hospital. My daughter had just been born five minutes earlier, and we had it disrupted her from her peaceful bliss in the womb. And she came out, and she was screaming, and her arms were flailing, and the nurses were cleaning her up, and I reached down to give her a kiss, and my daughter leaned back. (laughs) It was by far the best thing that's ever happened to me. What are we thinking now, right? Now it feels warm and fuzzy, and I did deserve it, right? Yeah. Warm and fuzzy. Context is key. Context means everything. Context. The way we relate to people. Right? The way that we get meaning. The way that we believe what we believe. Context is key. You cannot live life outside of context. Context is the way we make meaning of things. It's the way that we believe in God and relate to God. It all happens within context. And so how many people here have grown up as Christians or as Christ followers in some capacity? How many of you? Okay, now how many of you have gone and and said a bunch of Bible verses uh, in your conversations with people, just kind of out of the blue, just threw out a few Bible verses to to prove an argument or to to make somebody believe something? How many of you have done that? Be honest, come on. I've done it, my hand's up. Man, first service was way more honest than you guys. You guys are not honest. We've done this, right? So we take scripture and we take scripture, we take it out of context, and when we take scripture out of context, what ends up happening, we end up saying things that maybe we don't want to say, that God didn't intend for us to say. Maybe uh, people relate to God differently because of the scripture that we said. Maybe we relate to God differently because of what we believe. Scripture has been taken out of context for thousands of years since there was the idea of scripture. Okay, Scripture taken out of context has led people to believe that it's okay to oppress women. Scripture taken out of context has led people to believe that slavery is okay, that violence is okay, that that war is okay. Scripture taken out of context has led people to believe that, that it's okay to burn someone who's a heretic. And I can't begin to tell you the number of times, you know them too, that Scripture taken out of context has caused people to predict the end of the world over and over and over again. Scripture taken out of context... Context is absolutely key. And so here's what we want to do in this series, okay? This is what we want to do. What we want to do is we want to take a look at some of the scripture that, that, that uh, people who are Christ followers throw out more than others. The ones that, that people say and, and they just sort of know them by heart. And they, uh, you know, they tattoo them on their arms and on their lower backs and wherever else. And, uh, you know, the, the things that, that, that people think, you know, those, those scriptures, we're going to take those. And what I want to do is I want to look at them again. I want to look at them faithfully. I want to look at them prayerfully. I want to look at them uh, knowing, you know, what, what does God intend for us to see? What is the context in which God is working here? Context is key. So uh, for the next few weeks, will you do this with me? Will you journey with me as we go through this, this idea uh, of really battling and wrestling with Scripture? Will you? Some of you are like, okay. Here's what I don't want to do. Okay, I don't want to stand up here and say that the stuff I say to you right now is completely right and everything you ever heard before is completely wrong. 
all that is is just, you know, taking stuff out of context again. Right? This is charitable. This is charitable dialogue. This is us being allowed to discuss with one another what we think Scripture means. It's us taking it seriously. We are allowed to disagree on this. All right. Part of what makes a, a church that's unified is the fact that we still can love one another in Christ while disagreeing. It's okay. All right. This is the beginning. It's not the ending of going through Scripture. So all that being said, all that being said, let's talk about Scripture today. Let's talk about John 14.6. John 14.6 says this. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. How many people? Raise your hand. How many of you have heard that before? How many of you? Yeah, (laughs) so many of you. How many of you have said this to somebody? Like somebody has asked you, hey, um, do you think Hindus and Muslims and atheists and Presbyterians and Methodists and Catholics, do you think they're going to go to heaven? And you say, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, the How many of you have done that? Be honest, come on. All right. All right. How many of you have been told that? All right. You have been told that too. All right, so we're working with something here. We're working with this scripture that's, that's pretty popular. We're working with something that we've all heard, we've used, we've talked about before. What was Jesus saying when he was saying, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father but through me. Well, we need to go ahead and look at the context. So let's go back. Let's go back to the fact that Jesus, uh, the, 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 whole, the whole verse starts out, it says, Jesus answered. Okay, so Jesus is answering a question. What was that question? Was the question... Are Hindus, Muslims, and everybody else going to heaven? Was that the question? Was the question, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, what's your first name? I don't know. What was the, you know, was the, I'm lost, I'm in Daytona, I need to get to Jacksonville. Like, what was the question that was being asked here? I couldn't think of any questions. (laughs) What was it? This is the question. Thomas, the disciple, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? This helps. I don't think this gets us exactly where we need to go. I think what we need to do is go back to John chapter 13. If you have your Bible apps, go back with me, John chapter 13. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn those open. Uh, and let's talk about what is going on between Jesus and the disciples, okay? You have Jesus and uh, the disciples. They're eating a meal together. Some of, uh, of your Bibles will headline this as the Last Supper, Okay? But the disciples don't know this. They just think they're having a meal with Jesus. We're, we're just, just eating Passover. It's, it's going to be great. And so they go in there, and their leader, Jesus, starts washing their feet. Okay? C- culturally completely inappropriate. Not at all what you do as a leader. So these disciples who have been with Jesus, Jesus has been their leader the entire time, are like, what's this guy doing? Why is he washing our feet? This doesn't make sense. There's a little bit of tension in the room. We start to feel the tension build. And then Jesus ends up saying, tonight, one of you is going to betray me. Okay, so there's 12 of them. And the 12 of them have been hanging out all day, every day for the past three years or so that they've been with Jesus, right? And they've left their jobs and they left families and they left everybody else to be with Jesus. And so now uh, all of a sudden one of them is going to betray Jesus? Really? This is going to happen? And so now this meal is sort of coming off the rails a little bit right? Oh, Jesus is washing my feet. Why? He's a leader. You shouldn't be doing that. That's tense. Somebody's going to betray Jesus? This is, oh my goodness, what's going on? And then Jesus says this. He goes, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. 
Well, isn't hindsight just wonderful? We know where Jesus is going, don't we? Because we have the Bible. And we know that Jesus is going to be arrested, and we know that Jesus is going to be tortured. We know he's going to be hung on a cross. We know he's going to be killed. Uh, we believe he's going to be resur- he was resurrected. We know all of that. The disciples thought they were just going to eat. And now what's happening is there's feet washing and betrayal, and, and, and now Jesus goes, Hey, uh, I know you've been following me for the past three years, and you gave up everything to do that, but uh, I'm leaving, and you can't come. Can we put that in our context for a minute? Let's put that in our context for a minute. Let's say that your friend, she's like, I have this incredible opportunity with a startup, and it's going to change lives, and it's going to make you a lot of money. It's in Sacramento, though, all right? And you're going to work really hard. And you sit there, and you're like, oh, man, okay, uh, I'm going to do it. And so you move from Brooklyn, and you move your family. If you have kids, you move kids. You're finding a new school. You find a new place to live. You sell your house if you have a house. You break your lease. You do whatever. And you move all the way across the country to Sacramento to help your friend out with this, with this startup. And you're working really hard, and it's amazing. And for, for 80 hours a week, and you're doing just incredible work, and it's the best thing that's ever happened to you. And all of a sudden, your friend comes in the office one day and says, Hey, uh, I'm leaving. And you go, okay, grab me coffee. You know, like, and, and, and she goes, no, no, like, I'm leaving. And you're like, you're leaving? And she goes, yeah, and you can't, you can't come. And you're like, I just moved across the country. Like, I just moved to Sacramento. I live here, and I don't like it. You know, these are the thoughts that are going through your head. Like, you're like, oh, what? I, my family's here. Like, I just changed my entire life for you, and now you're telling me that I can't, I can't do this. What about the startup? What about the startup? No wonder Peter uh, says to Jesus, Jesus, let us just come with you. That's what Peter says. And, and Jesus goes, Peter, at the end of the day, you're going to deny me three times. What if you said to your friend, friend, we can still do this startup. Now, let me just come with you. And your friend goes, at the end of the day, you're going to be sitting at a bar, drinking beer, saying you never even knew this startup existed. That's what's going to happen. This would throw you for a loop. This is crisis, okay? You now do not know what to do with your life. You have been following this guy. Your livelihood is being taken away from you because your leader tells you that, that you, you can't come with him. This is very, very difficult. This feels like broken promises. That's what this feels like. And so Jesus says, you know what? I get it, you're troubled. You don't know what's going on. I get it. So let me tell you something, okay? If you believe in who I am, then you know this, that in my Father's house have, they have many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. All right. So what is Jesus saying here? Hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. For us, this sounds a little bit like heaven, right? This is where we get the idea of a place. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Uh, In the time of Jesus, uh, this could have also meant heaven. We don't know. We're not certain. What we do know is that in the other translations of the Gospels, this comes out as kingdom of God, which kingdom of God comes out as is a place of perfect peace. So when we talk about the, the, the place that God intended, that was the place of perfect peace. That's shalom, okay? So what he's saying, he's like, I'm going to bring perfect peace to this place through my Father. That's more of what he's saying here. Coupled with that, but in Jewish tradition, they weren't thinking very much about an afterlife, they were thinking way more about a Messiah who was going to come and make life right for them right now, here on earth. That's what they were thinking about. 
Okay, so Jesus says, I'm preparing this place for you. Uh, this place is, is, is more like a perfect peace. And the way he does it is through a wedding story. That's how he does it, through a wedding story. This is a wedding story he's telling. In the time of Jesus, uh, if you wanted to get married, the, the groom would go to the bride, and the groom would say, hey, will you marry me? And the bride said, yes. And then you would go back to your father's house, and you would build a room. You'd build a room, an extension on the father's house. It was called an insula. You build an insula. So you're building this insula, and your father would be the one that tells you when the insula is ready. If you were doing really shoddy work, the father would be like, no, 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 start your insula all over again. If you were doing really good work, the father would be like, this is ready. The insula is ready. Go get your bride. And then word would go out throughout the village that this father uh, approved the insula, approved the room, and that they're going to go out and the wedding's going to begin. And then it would be like a week-long celebration within the whole town because the the room is ready, the insula is ready. And so it wasn't so much about this room, right? It wasn't so much about this room. It was about a unity that's coming. The room represents this perfect union that's coming. This room represents the fact that two are becoming one. This room represents maybe a little bit of what it looks like to be a part of God's intended kingdom, right? That's what it represents. And so what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, hey, where I'm going, where I'm going is going to bring peace. Where I'm going is going to bring unity. Where I am going is going to bring the shalom that God intended for this earth. That's what it's bringing, and I'm going to bring you there with me. And what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about grace that happens through the death and resurrection. That's what he's talking about. But what are they talking about? They just moved to Sacramento. You know? They're like, but we don't get it. You know, they, they still don't get it. There are two different thoughts, two different questions being asked. So now we go back to Thomas. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. They're still trying to figure out their livelihood. They're still trying to figure out what's going to happen to their lives. They're still trying to figure out if they're going to have to get new jobs or travel to a new place. They're still trying to figure out like, whether or not this revolution is all worth it. That's what they're trying to figure out. Can you hear the frustration in, in Thomas right now? He's saying, Lord, we, where are you going? Tell us where you're going so we can go there too, so we will know the way. What else is he saying? Like, you hear the subtext. Lord, why did you say somebody's going to betray you? Why is Peter going to deny you? Why are you talking about insulas right now, you know, and unity and everything else? Like, give me a roadmap. Help me figure this out. Can we agree right now that what Thomas is not doing is going, hey, Jesus, real quick, in the midst of all this, will Muslims and Hindus and other people get into heaven? Do you think that could happen? No. That is not happening right now. Isn't it nice to know that the disciples are just as selfish as we are? Isn't it nice to know because they could care less about other people. They could care less about who is in and who is out. They could care less about that. They are caring about what's going to happen to them tomorrow. That's what they care about, who Jesus is tomorrow. Jesus says, Thomas, I'm going to answer you. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's what he says. Thomas is looking for structure. There are 613 Jewish laws, and if you follow them all, then you are right. You are good. Okay, that is structure. That tells you when you're in, and it tells you when you're out. He's looking for boundaries. He's looking for roadmaps. You build an insula, 
When it's done, you get married. That structure, those are boundaries. That's the way the world works. That's what Thomas is looking for. And what Jesus says is, there is no structure here. I'm not giving you an in or an out right now. I'm telling you that if you decide to follow me, that you will find perfect peace. If you decide to follow me, you are going to find the shalom that was created. You're going to have to go on this journey with me. Are you ready? And he's like, just give me, just give me structure. Give me boundaries. Give me something. And what Jesus is going is, nope, trust me. Trust me. I like the way Brian McLaren says it. He says, uh, in this light, Jesus is saying, listen, you don't need to understand all this. You simply need to trust me. Don't look for a way apart from me. Don't look for a route or a destination, some concept or technique or system of thought that is separate from me. I'm not trying to give you information or instructions so that you no longer need me and can instead depend on the information or instructions. No, just trust me. How many of you were alive when the Berlin Wall came down in 1989? way more than first service. How many of you uh, remember it? How many of you remember when the Berlin Wall came down? I remember watching it on the news. and uh, <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. I remember watching it on the news, and um, uh, this guy on the news, he said, he said, I'm free, I'm out of prison. That's what he said. And it was this amazing moment where this wall comes down, there's no more communism in, in Europe, and there's no more communism, uh, communism in East Germany. Um, and uh, it's this big deal. It's, it's, it's like freedom for everybody. Like world peace is imminent. That's what everybody was thinking at that time. And so East Germany and West Germany became united. They became one. Uh, and in her book, uh, The Art of Choosing, Sheena Iyengar, she talks about a survey that was done eight years after the Berlin Wall came down, eight years later. Here's what she found. She went back and she interviewed and surveyed people who lived in the former East Germany. And she found out that 97% of the people who lived there were less happy than, the, than when they, the wall was up. They're less happy than when the wall was actually up. She found that 90% of the people that lived in the former East Germany thought that communism was a good idea, it was just implemented wrong. And one out of every four people who lived in former East Germany wished that they could put the Berlin, the Berlin Wall back up. Why? Why is that? Because the Berlin Wall comes down and now there are no more guidelines. There are no more, there are no more uh, uh, you know, narrow roads. There are, are now these options and choices and decisions that they have to make for themselves. You see, when the wall was up, everybody got the same apartment. Everybody had the same furniture, the same rations, and the same food. That was all the same. One man lamented that, that it's been so hard for him just to go to the grocery store. He used to buy the same kind of soda. There was only one kind. And now he doesn't even know how to choose his soda. We are wired to want structure. We are absolutely wired to want black and white. We are absolutely wired to say in or out. We are wired to want the boundaries. And if I'm being honest, and I think you guys are with me on this one, if I'm being honest, I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed that this scripture doesn't tell me who is in and who's out. This scripture doesn't tell me how it is exactly I can get to heaven because if this scripture just told me exactly how I could get to heaven, man, things would be really, really different. It would be really easy. I'd be standing up here going, do these three things, 
Don't do these three things. Believe these two things. Don't believe these two things, right? And the crazy thing is we're so wired to want it. You know what churches and communities and everything grow the fastest? The ones that tell you exactly that. Here's what to believe. Don't believe this over here. Here's how to spend your money. Here's how to vote. Don't do it this way. Don't do it that way. And what Jesus is saying is it's not about a roadmap or a structure. He's saying if you want perfect peace that God intends, if you want the perfect peace that God intended, the Father intended, follow me. Do it through me. That means there's no more 613 laws. That means there's, there's no more you know, I, uh, you know, roadmaps or structure. It means that you're going to have to do the things I do. And what are the things that I do? When you follow me, what are you going to have to do? It, it means you're going to have to be elite and exclusive and you're going to have to be condemning. That's not Jesus. The idea that this isn't about who's in and who's out is way more interesting and way more hopeful and way more exciting because it means that we get to follow Jesus who says perfect peace happens through me and and people are forgiven in ways that they've never been forgiven before. People who were never forgiven. It's like, oh my gosh, I should never recover from that. But we say, no, you do get to recover. Your life has changed. People are loved way more than they ever were loved before. People who have never been loved are experiencing life change when Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. There is more compassion for people than there has ever been compassion before. People who have never experienced compassion are now experiencing it because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. There is more grace than there ever was before. Grace for what happened yesterday, what will happen today, and of course what will happen the rest of the days. There is grace that has never happened before because through where Jesus went, where Jesus goes, through this death and resurrection, through that, we have perfect peace, the perfect kingdom. We have the way, the truth, and the life. And that is far more exciting and way more interesting and way more challenging and hopeful than, hey, who's in and who's out? Way more. So here we are today. Some of us are here and we're scarred. We've been scarred by the church because we've heard too many times that you are in and you are out. And this is right and this is wrong. We've heard about the black and white. And in our hearts, we felt like there might be something deeper, that Christ might be calling us something deeper, but we can't reconcile that with the church. And yet you're here today. And if that's the case, I'm glad you're here. And if that's the case, stick around because I think this scripture message, this gospel message, this Jesus message is way more hopeful than we could ever imagine. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, you know what, this is nice, Jonathan. I don't have the time. Like, you get paid to look up this stuff. I don't. Like, take a little bit of time. If we're really going to wrestle, if we're really going to be faithful, then a half hour that you would use to watch a rerun of The Simpsons, use it to look this up. You, you know, Google it. Use it to, to, to pray through this. God, what are you trying to teach me through this? Use it to talk to somebody who you don't, don't, wouldn't normally talk to, somebody who you know has different ideas about life than you do. Use that time and move a little bit towards this perfect peace, this perfect kingdom. Some of you are sitting there going, Jonathan, I don't agree with you at all. You've messed this up. I said we're allowed to disagree. That's what makes us a unified church. We're allowed to disagree with one another. We can... And if that, you feel that way, that's, that's fine. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Pray through it. Spirit, do I have a blind spot or is Jonathan just an idiot? That's what you can pray. No, I kid. But pray through it. Think about it. 
think about it. Create dialogue from it. We are a church, which means if we are a church, we are going to work through this uh, word together. We're going to work through God's inspirational word together. Let's start that. Maybe some of you are like, that's fine. I've been going to church for a long time. I do it more out of habit. And I'm glad you told me this, but, but what comes next? I don't even know. John 14, 12, Jesus says, hey, if you believe this to the disciples, if you believe that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, you are going to do way more for this world than I have ever done in my short time here on earth. That's what's going to happen. That spirit is going to be with you. You're going to do way more in this short time, in your time than I've ever done. And, and, and I think it worked because it went from 12 disciples to three and a half billion people who are here just like we are today that are saying that there's something bigger when we bring perfect peace to God's kingdom. That's happening. And guess what? We get to be a part of it. We get to bring that compassion. We get to bring the love. We get to bring the forgiveness. We get to be a part of bringing this perfect peace. We get to do it. So will we do it? Guys, this isn't about believing something. It's not about, well, this is right and this is wrong. I believe this thing or I know this thing. This is about doing something. This is about working with God, following God, bring about perfect peace to this kingdom. I challenge you all to do something about it starting now, starting today. And so the question remains, who gets into heaven, who doesn't? Maybe we're asking the wrong question. Maybe we are. Maybe it's not for us to know. Maybe God knows, and that's fine. You know what our job is? Our job is to say to others, hey, you know what? Jesus is the way, the truth, and light. You know how I know that? Because every time I say that, Things change in my life. Peace comes in my life. Forgiveness comes in my life. Acceptance comes in my life. Check it out. It might work for you too. We know that when we pray this Lord's Prayer, we're not praying, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom somewhere up in heaven, that when we believe a few right things, we'll get there eventually. No, we pray, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come right now. Your will be done right now on earth, right here as it is in heaven. Will you guys pray the Lord's Prayer with me? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours... Glory forever and ever. This is a prayer. Oh my gosh, I totally blanked on the ending. The kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I say it every single Sunday. Amen, you guys. Thanks. Thanks, babe.